Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and on this podcast, we talk about mental health, addictions, ADHD, eating disorders, and really anything anyone's afraid to talk about, we talk about it on the show. Let's make people afraid to not talk about these things in today's world and society and end the stigma around anything, anywhere, anytime. Let's share one another's story. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, you're all welcome on my platform. Before we get started, please head over to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, and you will get all video form content of every episode over there. And hit me up over on Instagram at Depths of Darkside. That's where I'm most active. You can check out little snippets of the show, little tidbits of information and tips and tricks and whatever else. And me and my silly self over there as well with my family. With no further ado, I'd love to introduce you to my next guest. I got Candice Millard from the 313. Oops, sorry, the 519. <laughs> thanks, you thanks. wanna you wanna take it away and let them know a little bit about you though, Candace? Hi, I am not from the 313. I'm from the 519. It's my favorite city though. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I love okay. Red Wings. Don't don't ruin my intro with a shitty team, man. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> your intro was amazing. I you're you are very correct. It's your Instagram is full of tips and tricks and very useful information. My name is Candace. I'm a mom and a wife and a podcaster from Windsor, Ontario. I love my community and I love that I'm able to be here with you, somebody who I admire and respect so much. So thank you for having me, sir. Thank you very much for coming on the show today, Candace. Let's dive right into, you've told me a little bit about your backstory and we've chatted through DMs and voice notes and stuff like that. But what was it like for you helping your father through his recovery? Let's break right into that. Wow. Yeah, this is not something I've ever publicly spoken about. My father is a very strong-willed and strong, just in general, man. Our family has been through a, a whole lot, as most families have, and everyone, everyone's traumas and griefs are different, and they look different to everyone. However, ours to us seemed pretty traumatic when things happen and then they keep happening and there's not really a bright side. There's a dark side, if you will. And my father, I believe, in my opinion, he can listen and maybe think different or maybe even chat with you one day. Never really dealt with those things in a way that they helped me deal with things that had happened to me through therapies and discussions and lots of doctor visits but I believe maybe he didn't get the type of help that he needed and required and in turn led to an outlet as we know vices also look different ways for different people and he created this extreme addiction that got really carried away without anyone really knowing and it was quite secretive and, like and, most and, addicts are, though, like myself, too, mm -hmm. I'm very secretive. I'm yeah. very good at hiding it for the most part. But when shit hit the fan, shit really hit the fan. But I try to get to work every day, whether and those types of things. But it was very taboo and secretive, too. Like I would tiptoe around everyone and try and think I was getting away with things. But I really I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. I feel as though based on my reading and research on addiction and, and people who have had addictions in the past and present 
it's a very much the same characteristics in, in a lot of us lying doing anything doesn't matter who you love the most those are the people usually you hurt the most because you know they'll probably forgive you this these are just my opinions but I, I never blamed my father for his addiction I was just grateful that the universe had given me this mindset of already really thoroughly loving to heal and help heal and learn about addictions and why we'll get them and how people can't just get over them. Some people think you can. It's a disease. That, that, um, that, that line there, when people say, just get over it, really flabbergasted when people still say that today. We're in the year 2022. You know, you can't just get over something. And some people think that us as addicts or former addicts, I don't even like to call myself an addict because I'm not an addict anymore. That's just me. I'm past that. I've learned from my mistakes. I've learned to move forward from them. I can't worry about what's happened in the past. I can grow from what I did and stuff like that and learn from those mistakes, but you can't just get over something. And people don't choose to be an addict or whatever. They're not dirty people. They're not scums of the earth. Some other, some people like to call it different things I hear from, you know, just in passing, walk mm -hmm. out for walks and stuff like that. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, so we're all humans. Yeah, very good point. And sorry to cut you off, but so passionate about this is that I think that when people don't understand something, they act that exact way. Rude. They're quick to judge. They're quick to judge. Like, fuck off. You don't know what that person has gone through. And maybe one day you will. And maybe one day then you can just go reverse your thoughts and say, oh, wow, this is what is going on. People don't choose fuck up. We don't choose this. Life is hard and we need the society has forced these outlets and these vices on us. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. My alcoholism is so predominant because it's advertised. Go out, have drinks if you don't have fun. Guess what? That's affecting a lot of people in the long run. I'll tell you right now, I've had the best and sorry, the best fun, the most <laughs> fun ever being sober. I've experienced so much more in life than just sitting there and drinking and doing drugs and stuff like that. I can wholeheartedly say that the best times of my life I've had are sober, are clean. Because yeah. first of all, I don't wake up with a hangover anymore. I remember what I did last night. I, I don't have to retrace my tracks and my steps mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what train wreck did I cause sure. last night? Just so many different things that, you know, that would happen when I was out using. Yeah. So today I don't have to worry about those things. And the best times of my life, like I said, have happened sober. Beautiful. That's really nice. My husband is also sober from alcohol and I'm really proud of him. I've never had an issue with alcohol myself. I have a couple of drinks a year maybe still, but I support his sobriety so I don't drink around him or near him. And I've seen addiction, all different types of addiction be healed and alcohol is a tough one. Yeah, my father was addicted to crack cocaine. And hearing that, not for me, doesn't scare me, but for a lot of people, they think, oh, that's a dirty drug or he must have been this or it's really it is a tough it's a tough drug to kick. But I really honestly, I don't know, Chris, if you can attest to this, but alcoholism is tough because it's so in your face. Like you don't go, you can't go to the store and buy crack, but you can go to the liquor store or the a convenience store in some places and buy a bottle of whiskey and a tall boy. How do you kick that and all your friends? It's tough. My dog thinks so too. 
Yeah. It's like, no, but I, no, but I don't disagree with you at all. I don't disagree with you at all there. Like it, it's so true though. It's in your face everywhere. But you also have to have that willpower as well, because it's going to be there no matter what. You can also create escape plans, whatever you want to call it. I'm happy. I'm comfortable going into a restaurant, to bars. I go out to live music events. I do all those types of things. I'm fine. I'm comfortable. I'm with the right crowd. I'm with That's you know, my safe people. Uh, ha be with that support network that's there to support you. Not, oh, you need to have a few drinks with us, stuff like that. That's when those types of things start. Those aren't the friends to be around. You got it. If they're pushing that kind of stuff on you, find a new circle of friends, whatever you want to call it, or break out on your own. Take care right. of you first. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a common denominator in all recoveries. Doesn't matter what recovery, it, even just setting boundaries with people is that you have to surround yourself with the people that are going to be supportive. Because if you, many addicts, when they're taken to, and they're often taken to, other cities to do their retreatment, their retreat, hardly their treatment, not often, but sometimes taken other places. And that's for a specific reason. If you're in your own space, your own home, you're going to be more prone to want to leave and go to the places that you commonly go to, to retrieve your substance choice. So you have to surround yourself with the right people. And also you have to be prepared to lose friends and family and distance yourself maybe from the events that happen, drugs are happening at or alcohol is being ha is happening at until, like you said, you go to bars and live music now, which possibly could have been a trigger for you a few years ago. But maybe now you've developed more and more strength and more and more resilience to your addiction, your prior addiction. And now you're able to do that. So that's something to be proud about for sure. Yeah, it wasn't even, I, it was more of getting rid of the group of friends, friends that I had. That's where mm -hmm. I had to start for me, getting a new phone number, oh. those types of things, and just starting over from scratch and have a select few people. This, like I've said in past shows, the circle's about this small and it's hard right. to break into Chris's circle and that's that. Yeah. I, I don't let too many people in or I try not to. I'm easily befriended too sometimes. I'm in that sense. Sometimes I have a weakness. Yeah, I just I'm a, I was a people pleaser, and I, I still can be from time to time too. So I really got to watch those things that creep up on me. And now we're right. trying to please someone or make people happy. Yeah, no, I got to take care of you first. You got to build that confidence too, and being able to speak to others and stuff like that. Yep. Absolutely. So, what gave you your passion to want to learn more about addiction and recovery and mental? That's a good question because I don't really know. I really think I was born with it. Because from a very young age, like you just mentioned, people person, people pleaser, a Gemini. So I'm, it's one of the strong suits of a Gemini characteristic, if you follow that, anyone listening. And I live up to that fully. And just since I was very able to read more adult-like things, I'm a big reader. I loved reading about the more, I know I don't want to be disrespectful. But like the more fucked up the story, the more fucked up the life, the better it was for me to read and learn about. I've seen every documentary you can imagine. And I'm not exaggerating. It's almost an obsession. And it's no, I don't know why I didn't go to school to pursue it. I went to school for something completely different and dropped out because I feel like I like to self-learn. Sounds really arrogant. 
but I was sitting in university learning things that I'd already knew and thought, I'm not fucking paying somebody to do this. I will read and learn on my own. So just, I don't know. I believe if I had to put my finger on it, it's whoever's up there guiding us, put me in this perspective, in this frame of mind so that I can help heal people because I helped my father. I helped myself, my whole family, and now my husband. Three years of sobriety, and I think that it was it was meant to be. If that's that would be my guess. Yeah, and what if you just keep pushing forward, keep pursuing those things, keep going at it, keep at it. That's what mm-hmm. it's all about. And you just learn different things and stuff like that. So if you have to give a good book for someone to read if they're early in recovery or wanting to learn more about mental health or anything, what would be a, a good book on that you could hand out to someone? Because I'm not a professional. I don't necessarily want to throw out any self-help books, if you will, because that, again, looks different for everyone. If anyone wants to DM me, maybe I can give you more specific. But I believe that you learn more through people's experiences, which I think you can agree with, which is why we're doing this and you're doing this podcast. So for biographies are huge. I love that. I could recommend. Too. You can learn from other stories. What's and a good biography? Mackenzie Phillips, High on Arrival, is probably one of the best biographies I've read. Autobiographies, actually. Anthony Kiedis's book. I've yet to read it. It's still sitting on the bookshelf, but you have to read that, Chris. You'll learn a lot from that. Honestly, not that you need to learn, but we all need to learn. Let's face it. So I would recommend those types of things. Books that even fictional books written sometimes about addiction. A Million Little Pieces by James Frey is a fan. I've heard about that one. That yeah. must be really good. A lot of controversy because he said it was a real true story and then it apparently wasn't, but just a fucking fantastic writer i'm pretty sure that turned into a movie too or a show yeah yeah the book is a thousand times better so those are the types of things i would recommend for people is to read of other people's journeys and contact your local community for actual resources because we do have a lot of really great programs in ontario as much as people say we don't what are some of the great programs that you could recommend to the audience in canada here i guess in Windsor, we our mental health society is fantastic. The resources there are amazing. I know a few people have gone through addiction programs through them because a lot of the time addiction starts with mental health, in my opinion. So I think the have, two and two go together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So our program here in Windsor is fantastic. Might be a little lengthy to get into in a wait time, but as far as free support. It's there. You just have to reach out to the right people. Reach out to your health unit. The resources are there and they should be utilized for sure. There's so many good free resources out there, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're lacking too in funding in other areas. Yeah. Mental health and addictions. But the, utilize those free resources. And if you can't get to them, honestly... A quick Google search will find you a lot of things, everyone. That, yeah. That's how I find lots of my content or do some research myself. Just a quick little Google search with a few keywords, and you can find lots of things on the interwebs. Yeah, please. you can. You can, and you have to be careful. You don't necessarily read the first four articles that come up. Yeah. There's pages and pages. You don't read the first, like, ten things. I go through, and I look, and you read, and there are studies, and there are things, and there are people out there 
utilize Facebook for those reasons. There's always going to be a community of people that have gone through the same thing you've gone through that you can relate to always. And even if you're an introvert and don't like talking, there are always something you can reach, someone you can reach out to or some call me. We can get through anything, really. That's amazing. Yeah. Give Candace a DM or shoot her a voice note. She loves to chat and voice notes are all where it's at. So what can you do to support someone going through a mental health episode? What would be a good suggestion for those listening? Listen, make sure that I started doing a few years ago. People reach out to me all the time because I'm very trustworthy and I'm told a lot of secrets. Because I, my whole life, it's always been that way. But I feel like if you, wait, what was the question? I just got sidetracked. What would you do? ADHD too, guys. <laughs> wow. ADHD or what? Like, what can you do <laughs> to support someone going through a mental health episode? Oh, geez. Oh, wow. That was crazy. You honestly just need to listen, be supportive, make sure that they're, that they're, mental your mental space that's what i was getting at a few years ago i decided to ask people if they had the mental space for me before i needed to vent and i was hoping in turn that people would do the same with me especially the folks that would reach out to me for advice life coaching things of that sort so it's really important that you understand the person that you're helping this through you understand what state they're in and you don't need the advice is not needed at that time. I told you so's aren't needed. You need to just listen and read the room. Mental I need help. to listen to that too. Sometimes I, yeah, I'm bad at reading the room sometimes, and I get gets me in trouble. Yeah, it can get you in trouble, and I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that, but I've all, I'm very much more aware because I've taken the time to know that I what I need to say very not very often do I go to people for advice or anything because. I just don't, but I know to ask if they have the space. She's bullshitting you guys. <laughs> she comes for advice every day. <laughs> but you just have to be, you have to be aware of other people's mental ability, health. And sometimes I say, no, I don't have the mental space for you today. Cause I, sometimes I really fucking don't. And it's yeah, okay. That's to, okay. Yeah. It's okay yes. to say you don't have the mental space or now is not the right time. Can we reconvene tomorrow or in a few hours? I need just some space to myself thing. Yeah. Whether it's you're talking with your partner or a friend or whatever, sometimes they might be going through a rough time too, and they just don't have that mental capacity like right. to take on someone else's shit at the moment. And that's How okay. Often? You have to be accepting of that though too, not keep pushing and poking the bear or whatever you want to call it. If they say that's no, right. no means no. doesn't matter if it's that's right. sex, drugs, rock and yeah. roll, whatever. No means no. You got it. It's so true. Yeah. Very true. So how is the mental health problem in your eyes among children and young adults in our country? Jesus Christ. Whoa. That's a deep question, my friend. Having young children of my own, but also having a strong-willed mother and father of me, speaking of me and my husband, to my children, we try and maintain very open communication to avoid there being 
mental health issues are always going to happen because you can't control what, what happens in other people's thoughts and brains. But we try so hard to maintain a healthy mental health awareness for our children because they're thrown out there with their peers, their teachers, all of different opinions, grandparents, cousins, whomever. And it can be overwhelming for kids. Plus with everything going on in the world, the confusion and the unknown and the change that has happened. We've worked really hard. I can say as specifically for me and my husband, we've worked really hard to make sure that our children are aware of what's on their mind. They're able to be open with us and communicate anything they need. I just recently started with my son. He has a little bit of a harder time communicating. And I say, just write me a note and we can talk about it that way if you want send notes back and forth instead of speaking face to face. And then sometimes that might be easier for kids, you know, yeah. I mean? like it's some, worse. some kids think it's might not be okay to tell you these things, but I want, you need to make sure that you let your kids know, let anyone know that you're that safe space for them, especially the younger kids and the younger adults and stuff like that. I try to tell yeah. my son as well, and he's getting better at opening up and telling me things, but I think the things that he saw growing up and stuff, yeah. Or maybe pushed him aside a little bit. Well, my daughter will speak her mind and tries to sometimes. And she'll tell you how she's feeling. Sometimes I feel that she might be, she's a little more receptive to women though than men. And that just, okay. and that's, and that's okay. She feels more comfortable with that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to make sure she's comfortable all around. If she doesn't mm -hmm. want to share something. If they don't want to share something with you, like you said, you've created a new way of doing it, writing a note that might help them too. My daughter likes to write gratitude as well. So that's another thing you nice. can teach them. Those, there's so many different things we can teach them, but we have to be there for our kids as well. Because if we're not there for our kids, this world's fucked up as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I see oh. how it's affected. I pick up and drop off my children at their school every day and I'm heavily involved in this school and part of the parent council so I know a lot of the kids and the kids have very strong knit groups of friends and I see the struggle that they're having even though I don't know them overly well I've seen what this pandemic which I didn't even want to say that word today but I see what it has done to some children who maybe don't have the same I'm not saying my way of parenting is better than anyone by any means. I just, my communication is way open with my children, whereas some parents might not have that or don't know the words to say, or I don't know, but I feel as though we're going to see a lot of mental health issues. We have seen in my city alone, teen suicide rates have gone up tremendously. I don't want to say the actual number because I don't want to be wrong. I think I know it. And those types of things are just getting swept under the rug and not showcased and though it's going I think it's if I can project the future I don't think it's going to be too good for these kids based on what they've been through in the last little while and that's a sad state like even the bullying I've seen a rise in that too like there's different things I've seen who cares if someone's vaccinated or not vaccinated it doesn't give you guys the right as kids or young teens to go bully that person or belittle that person because of whatever they are. You know what I mean? Who cares? I don't care either way if I'm vaxxed or not vaxxed or right. I'm neutral. doesn't matter. 
You know what right. I mean? If you don't want it, that's your choice. That's my choice. Mm -hmm. that. You don't need to go be bullying kids because I've actually seen suicides happen because of that. Those types of things. And it's just mind blowing to see the things that are going on that need mm -hmm. to stop everyone. They need to stop. The bullying needs to stop. The carrying on and the cyberbullying, everything like that amongst the kids and stuff. And it all needs to start in the schools. They need to teach more in the schools about mental health and stop sugarcoating the crap and actually bring people in that have real life experiences. And no, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for the kids because that's not how you learn. Okay, but would you agree maybe that the parents probably too need to step it up a little bit? Yeah, there's parents too, but I feel yeah. that there could be more education. It's slowly oh, coming in, but like they need to start at a younger age, I think too. Not wait till grade eight to talk about mental health, no like substance abuse and stuff like that. Because there's different ways you can talk. You don't need to go hardcore into it with little kids or whatever, but you can talk to them at a grade two level about things. Absolutely. You, there's a different way you're going to talk to a grade one, two class as opposed to a grade eight or nine or 10 class, you know what I mean? Sure. And you don't need to swear. You don't need, you can get a little more graphic with older. Yeah. Kids. I need to hear those things mm -hmm. coming from people that have lived those experiences and not sugarcoat it for them. Cause that's not how yeah. they're learning today. If I tell them, oh yeah, that's don't do this. Don't do that. But why don't do that? These are the consequences. If you do this, this yeah. happens. It's okay to reach out. Like you gotta, we gotta be teaching the kids that from a younger age, I find. For sure. You know, I couldn't and agree with you. It, it's coming slowly, but I don't think it's coming fast enough. We're making headway. Slowly. Yeah, we're making headway. Yeah. Slowly. Sure. <laughs> I want to say real slow. And that's where we got to advocate more. Be able to, I don't even, like just doing all these functions and doing little different speaking engagements and step up and be a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. For sure. I agree with you. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I, I, there was another resource I wanted to mention, just so everyone has it and I don't forget. There's a podcast called The Dopey Podcast. Have you heard of it, Chris? I have not heard of it, no. Okay. I'll have to check it out, too. So it's very, it goes back to when we were talking about resources for what to read. And if you, if there's folks out there who don't like to read but want to hear about experiences, The Dopey Podcast. Actually, Mackenzie Phillips, High on Arrival, the book I was mentioning, She's been on that podcast, Courtney Love, just people and I don't want to say regular folks, but folks like you and I, I haven't been through a hardcore recovery, but I've dabbled in some things and I understand it. I, and my perspective is like the same as a, an actual, an addict because I've lived through it and I've helped people live through it. So I've learned a lot from the Dopey podcast. You'll love it. You'll That's amazing. It. I'll have to definitely check it out. So yeah, yeah. Everyone, please go check out the Dopey podcast. Yeah. Sounds like we can learn a lot from it as mm -hmm. a whole here. So what, think about one thing that you'd like to accomplish, Candice. What obstacles do you need to overcome in order to do this? Realizing that you're doing it for yourself. Your family can, the thing with my dad's recovery is that I didn't know I suspected something was up, but I didn't know for sure. And then the day my mom came to me and told me, we definitely put an end to it at that time, tried to. But in the, me researching, and this is 15 years ago at this point. So congratulations to my father, who's doing amazing in recovery. But I sent him to somewhere in Florida 
and I didn't do my research properly. And it turned out it was just not the type of healing that he needed. And he wasn't ready. So you can want all you want for somebody to heal or help. Or you can pretend in your own head that you're ready because people are pressuring you to be ready. But unless you're fucking ready and the rock bottom com comment that people say, I don't know how true that is, but you have to be ready. So you have to overcome everyone else's issues before you can be ready and concentrate on your issues to heal and to recover. It's never going to work if you're doing it for other people. So my advice is that it has to be done for you. 100%. You are so right there. It has to be done for you and you only. Yeah. You have to be willing and wanting the help. Until you are willing and wanting and down there on your knees begging for the help, yeah. it's never going to work. No, it's never going to work. And I will also say this and go a little bit further with, I do a lot of work with people who are suffering from not having a home at this point. People who have been living on the streets with all of their things. Something else that I've been doing since I was a little girl advocating for people who don't have homes. And I often, because I do that, we have a big population at this point in my city. I learned a lot about mental health addiction through that. And knowing that a lot of the time, they don't want help. And I get a lot of phone calls from friends and people who are very empathetic and want to help and see someone walking down the street, say, with no shoes in it. And it's, if you can feel sorry for these people and want to help them. But that gentleman, if he wanted shoes, he doesn't care about you going home and getting shoes. You know what I'm saying? That gentleman is going to take the shoes and probably sell them for what he needs. And that's just me being very honest and realistic. A lot of the time, these folks aren't ready to want to heal. They don't, you can't pressure. It's something, that, yeah, maybe in the beginning, them losing their home or not having a place to stay with all their things was not something that they wanted. But because of the depression and anxiety and the bullshit that comes with having to live on the street because you can't afford a f to live in an economy that's ridiculously overpriced comes all the things that typical stereotype of someone who is an addict and suffers from not having a vault it you, sometimes it gets so far that you just cannot help they have to want it themselves that's it's really tough for me to see people there's I'm going to give a specific there's a gentleman in our city right now who has a shopping cart full of bags reusable bags stuffed with things this gentleman wants no help whatsoever he's just simply living his life but we have a group on Facebook of our local community that's bringing him food, giving him attention. He's been on the news, just centering. They, these people think they're doing the right thing by helping this one person who really doesn't fucking want the help. He doesn't. I want people to be aware of mental health and how it looks differently for other people. You may think that you're doing a good deed, but really you're bothering somebody who that's his lifestyle. It doesn't always have to be so detrimental sometimes people live that way and i've i've the gentleman's passed on too from my hometown but i remember i used to we used to go get him to buy us beer when we were underage he hung out and had a little house beside the beer store downtown 
playing his guitar and we'd go hang out with him and buy him a bunch of beer and he'd buy us our beer when we were teenagers. Yeah. But he had money and I found out his backstory. just got to know these other guys that lived downtown and stuff like that. Lots of them have passed on since I was growing up and stuff. Yeah. He had tons of money. He didn't care about that though. He had money and he would just ride the bus up and down King Street all winter long. Like he would just, and hang. he had his little spots he'd hang out, but he was content doing that. And that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get He actually out. had a place to stay. His sister, brother, yeah. bring him in two times a month, just give him a shower and give him some good food and a new pair of clothes. And he'd go on for another month or two. It doesn't always have to be like, because we live in a home with four walls and a foundation and a shower doesn't mean that we're living the right way. Some people like to do drugs all the time and we're never going to recover. Let's face it. Like it, it's, it is what it, it is, what it is. You really have to want to want to change and sometimes people don't and that's okay too you want to write your life shooting heroin in your arm all your life because it makes you happy you know what and you're never going to ask for help and that's just the life you're going to continue to have i wish that i could give strength to families and people to just not move on because we talked about this earlier but accept yeah you have to have acceptance in people and there's there are some people yeah they some people are who they are and that's right learn to come to accept that and, and also let's really be honest in saying that drugs in their most pure and finest state can be very helpful all drugs so we've created them to be stigma bad and they, and then they can be because we've developed them to be bad but these initially like a poppy wasn't meant to to make you end up being a junkie do you get what i'm saying so i don't always think drugs are a bad thing i highly believe in curing people through psychedelics and traumas i'm very i very much believe that drugs can be medicine oh yeah 100 percent yeah 100 percent get that though I've, i've had others that do microdosing and those types of things. And they're all for it. I personally, I don't think I could with my past and stuff Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm okay with that. And But I'm okay with others trying different things or ayahuasca, those types of things too. Just different yes. forms of therapy. Absolutely. And just, there's so many different ways to have therapy. And we don't, it's not all just one way going to a 12-step program. It's yeah. not all. Everywhere is different. I don't do 12-step program. I right. used to, but I just, yeah. I have no use for it anymore. Right. That's just me. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And I have friends that are still in it and that's okay too. Yes. I'm not going to sit there and judge what you do or how you become sober. But at the end of the day, as long as you're working hard at your sobriety and you really want it, you'll get it. Yeah. There's not just a one-way street to sobriety at the end of the day. There's no. so many different avenues and ways you can get clean and sober. Yeah, totally. So I totally agree with you there, too. You know, drugs are medicine. Some of them are, for sure. Some of them are. Well, I'm just being realistic. I could sit here and not be realistic, but that I like to be honest and thorough. Yes. No, I appreciate you taking the time today, Candice, to be honest and thorough <laughs> and shoot it from the hip, the heart, the arm, wherever you want to shoot it from. Maybe, let's, maybe we should cut that part out. Edit. Um, anyways. But yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Candice, and sharing your experience, your strength, your hope for others out there that may be struggling. I took a lot away from your little talks and stuff like that today, especially with just, you have to want it. And you can't force someone to get into recovery, to get clean, to get sober. They have to want it. Mm. That's the bottom line. 
And you got to learn to have acceptance if they're not willing to change and accept them for who they are. So where can everyone find you? Find your podcast. Let them know. (laughs) I actually have two podcasts. Two? Plug them here. Plug it here. Yes, I created an amazing show with a gentleman that has been a support podcaster in my community. And he's been such a great support. I don't know if you've had great podcast support i hope so because it's a great community especially if you use the hashtag ontario podcast i don't know if you use that but i have created some really great instagram friends that way so that podcast is called prudent podcast that's my co-host podcast but my original podcast that i'm really proud of is called hello hello world you can find me on instagram and it's a community-based podcast i chat with the most amazing people in Windsor, local businesses I showcase and I give everybody the heads up on what's going in on in, in my community. Yeah, you go hello world and my link tree is in my bio. Thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day to come on the show today, Candice. I truly appreciate you doing that. Yeah, Hope Chris, you will you come on my show? I will gladly come on <laughs> your show. Okay. Not a problem. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Thank but- you so much. All right. You take care and have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too.